Uh, if you are new with us today, let me just make this disclaimer. This is your first time with us. I do this every time I preach just so people know. I am not Rex Stump. I'm not our, pre- I'm not our pastor. I've, I've been referred to as the relief pitcher, the JV team, different things. I, I help Rex out when he's gone. So he'll be back next week. So don't judge the church on today. If you don't like what you see today, you don't like what you hear today, give him one more shot. All right? That's all, that's all we ask. Because don't, don't, then I'll not be able to preach again because people won't come back. We don't want that. So, uh, so if you're new with us today, we're glad you're here. And don't hold today against Rex. Fair enough? Everybody okay with that? All right. So this is, this is kind, of, it's kind of embarrassing. But I didn't get a chance to eat breakfast this morning. And I, I used to substitute teach. And one of the ways that you handle classrooms when you don't really know what you're doing as a substitute teacher is you put in a video for them. So if you guys watch the video, I'm going to catch up on my breakfast and then we'll get started. Everybody okay with that? Okay. I got a little banana bread here. I'm going to have a little some crickets. And I'll show you how to cook them. Number one... You want to cook all of your insects really, really well. Insects have parasites that you don't want. Rule number two, don't ever eat any insects that have bristles or stingers. Rule number three, stay away from bugs that stink or spray some kind of noxious liquid. And lastly, stay away from really brightly colored insects. That's nature's way of saying, I'm poisonous. I can hear them sizzling and starting to pop a little bit. That's a good sign. Okay, these look ready to eat. All right. Let's see how it tastes. The flavor is uniquely cricket. It's a little bit earthy, nutty, and definitely crunchy. If you can get past the idea of eating insects, they really are a fantastic survival food. All right, so now you guys are more educated. I've got a full belly. We can, we, we can finish. Move along, right? How many of you are enjoying the, the Gospel of John? Are, are you learning something as we go through? Yeah? Rex does a good job, doesn't he? What are we, who are we learning? I, I asked what are we learning in the first service. It looked at me like I had three heads. So we'll start easy with you guys. I won't even challenge you with the first tough question. Who are we learning about in John? We're learning about Jesus, right? And what have we learned about Jesus? That's a good start. I can't tell you how many conversations I've started with that. What kind of things are we learning about him? He's done some miracles. Yep, right? What else? How many of you have seen Jesus a little bit differently as we've went through John as we study his life? He's really a pretty cool dude. I mean, when you look at it, right? He's pretty down to earth. And, and one of the things that I like about Jesus is he says stuff that I want to say, but he says it much better. Because if I said it the way I wanted to say it, usually it would get me in trouble. So I, I, I really do like learning more about Jesus. He's, he's my favorite character in history to study and my favorite character in history to talk about. So we're going to continue that today. We're in John chapter 6 in verse 30. We're not really going to leave that today. Uh, Rex is very good at, at going different places. I'm not always so good at going different places in Scripture, so we're gonna, just going to kind of park it in John chapter 6 and enjoy ourselves there today. Um, and that's, I think, page 818 in the Red Bibles. If not, it's somewhere close to 818. You should be in the general vicinity. But we're get, what we're going to talk about today is still in the same thing, the same 
discourse, the same uh, activities in history that we've been in for the last couple weeks. Because a couple weeks ago, about two weeks ago, we talked about the feeding of the 5,000, right? Then last week, Rex talked about some of the, 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 they crossed the water, and then the people found him, and they started a discussion with Jesus about, and Jesus, where, where Jesus said, you know, you guys really aren't looking for me because of the miraculous signs I did. It's, it's not about the miracles, it's because I fed you, and because I fed you, you want fed again, because if somebody feeds you today, then tomorrow they should do the same thing, right? I mean, because... If I, if I get free food today, I should get free food tomorrow. I should get free food the next day. So, so that's what they're doing. So that's, that was the discussion that Jesus had. We're in that same discussion. We've, we still haven't moved out of there. Um, and so we're still within the same probably 36-hour period that we were in last week. We didn't, we didn't gain any time. We didn't move any forward any days or anything like that. So we're still within 36 hours of the feeding of the 5,000. All right. It's important that I tell you that because we're going to look at what they say and the way that they begin this discussion with Jesus. And it's really it's going to help us. Okay, so that's why I try to, you know, I try to help you. I try to give you some insights, little little shot at it. So let's look in John chapter six. We'll begin reading in verse 30. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, I I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So our first question, how do they start this discussion? How how do these people start this discussion with Jesus? They're going through their talk. They talk, he said, you came to me for bread. So So then what do they say to him at the beginning of our talk? Hey, what miraculous sign are you going to do to prove to us that you are who you're talking about? We we want to know that you actually are God or you're actually Jesus or the prophet or whoever this is. What miraculous sign are you going to do? So my my first question is, are they blind or are they looking the wrong way? That's my question, right? Because we're within 36 hours of 15,000 people eating their fill and 12 baskets being picked up from five loaves and two fish. I mean, let's, I don't want to re-preach Rex's sermon because he did a fantastic job. But just to jog your memory, let's think about that. You're, you're, you're having this, they start with five loaves of bread and two fish, whatever size they were. I don't care what size you want to choose. They were, they start passing those. And as you take them, it increases. Instead of it getting smaller in the basket, it gets bigger. Because at the end, by the end, they have 12 baskets they didn't. So, so somehow, that's got to be freaking some people out, right? I mean, you take a piece of fish and now they're, instead of four pieces of fish, now there's 10. I don't know how it happened. It makes no sense to me. But somehow, these people have watched that whole thing happen. They watched that whole thing, went all the way through it. Oh, yeah, I got my belly full. I'm good. Then that night, we see that, that, Jesus sends the disciples away, right? He says, get in the boat, get out of here. Right? Because they wanted to make Jesus king. And he said, oh, I don't want to be no king. So he said, you guys get out of here, and I'm going to leave. So they take the boat, they go across the water, they get stuck going across the water, right? Remember this? They're rowing, 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 and they're not getting anywhere. (laughs) Sometimes you may feel like that, right? 
You're rowing, you're pedaling, you're running, you're not going anywhere. They, that was their struggle. And so Jesus comes, gets them, takes them, they're done. That's all good. The people, the, the Bible is clear to tell us that the people knew there was no boat for Jesus to get across the lake. Right? Rex talked about that. But, but they know that he got there. So they have to know something happened. I mean, Star Trek hadn't happened, so Scotty couldn't beam across from one side to the other. So they have to know that something strange has happened. So within 36 hours, probably closer to 24 hours, in this 24-hour period, they have seen Jesus feed 15,000 people with five blows of bread and two fish. And they've seen Jesus make it across this lake without a boat. I doubt he could swim that quickly. Right? And their question is... Hey, what miraculous sign are you going to do to show us you are who you say are? See, that answer from Jesus would have been much different. Much, much different if it would have come from Brian. I can tell you that. But then I think, but then I think about this. Aren't we the same way? I mean, let's be real. Well, one of the things that I always tell, I teach at our academy, one of the things that I always tell them is that I'm going to be real with you. It may not sound good, and it may sound like I'm not a great person, and that's okay. Jesus loves me, but I'm going to be real with you. I mean, being real, aren't we really that way, too? How many miracles have we seen in your life? How many miracles have you seen in your life? How many things has God done for you that you can't explain any other way? If I were to ask you to start making a list, every person in this room would be able to say there's at least one thing in their life that has happened that doesn't make sense. Right? Isn't that God? Isn't that a miracle? But let life get tough. Let something come up in our world. Let let something show up in our day-to-day living or let a problem arise at work. And what's the first thing that we do? We look at God and we say, we ask one question first. What's our first question? Why? Exactly. Why me? Why not you? But our first question is why. And then the second question follows it real quickly. After we say, why? Why me? We say, what are you going to do about it? Right? Hey, God, you... You caused this. I don't understand why. But while you're explaining to me why, why don't you explain to me how we're going to get through this whole mess? Well, give me the answer. Isn't that, maybe it's just me. And that's okay. I've preached only to me before, and I'm okay with that. But, but, but isn't that kind of how we live our life? We watch all of these miracles happen. We watch all of these things go on well in our life. We watch God come through time after time after time after time. And then when another struggle comes up, we're like, well, I guess you're not really God. Unless you fix it. So are we blind? Are we blind to what God's doing? Or are are we just looking the wrong way? Or are we looking at it and choosing not to see it? Husbands, we know about that, don't we? (laughs) We can see things and not see things, right? Little projects around the house. What are you going to do for me? I'm going to date myself just a little bit. But Janet Jackson, back when I was younger, sang a song that kind of talked about this. That I usually don't, I don't often quote Janet Jackson in sermons, but every once in a while she has a good comment to share. She had a song that said, what have you done for me lately? She says it differently, a little more beat. But 
isn't that how we treat God? Don't we do the same exact thing to God? Hey, I know that you just fed 15,000 people yesterday with five loaves of bread and two fish, but what are you going to do for me now? I know that you made it across the lake and there's no explanation physically how you did it, but what are you going to do for me now? I know that you've cured people. I know that you've healed people in my life. I know that you have resolved situations that seemed insurmountable for me, God. But what are you going to do about this? And only if you take care of this am I actually going to believe in you. We make deals with God, don't we? God, if you fix this, I'll go to church every Sunday for the next six years. God, I'll pray to you every day. God, 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 I will. God, I will. God, I will. It'd be nice for us to know and remember when things come up rather than asking God why and rather than asking God what are you going to do about it and what can you do and are you really God instead of asking him if he's really God, why don't, wouldn't it be cool if we could look at God and say, I'm excited about this journey we're about to go on. But instead we forget. And we put God to the test. Time after time after time. How many tests does he have to pass? I mean, imagine, let's think about it this way. If you're a student, how many tests have, has God given you? <laughs> and how many tests are you going to give God? At what point is he going to get to pass the class where you'll just say, I trust you. This looks insurmountable, but you're bigger than this. At what point do we get to that? So then they give some credit to Moses. They say, because, and I like how people, because we do this, right? We like to throw things in God's face sometimes. We, we like to say, hey, remember God, let me, let me just remind you, which is okay. But, but these people looking at me said, because Moses, in all of his greatness, gave us manna in the wilderness. And we, we survived on manna in the wilderness for 40 years. So top that, big boy. It just seems strange, doesn't it? But then Jesus, in all of his wisdom, I mean, and not only in his wisdom, but his ability to communicate. I, 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 like, I like to communicate. I wish, I, I pray and I wish I could communicate like Jesus because he, he's just so fantastic at it. So this is what Jesus says. <laughs> Remember, I told you this would have sounded different if it had come out of my mouth. It sounds very good coming out of his. I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread from heaven of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Hey, I appreciate your question and all. It's nice of you to think of me. And it's nice of you to remember that Moses was there for the wandering in the wilderness. But Moses did not give them manna. Moses didn't say, watch this, I'm going to make this appear. God told Moses it was coming and said, hey, tell the people this is what they're supposed to do with it. Remember that? And that's how the manna showed up. Because of God. Why would they give Moses credit for the manna? Because they could see him, right? Because they 
they can look and they could have touched. If they were there, they could have touched Moses. And, and they have historical records that Moses was there and all of this kind of stuff. So Moses was real. So they're not, they're not going to give too much credit to God. They're going to give the credit to, to what they know. And that sounds like us, doesn't it? Watch the news sometime when some, something big happens in the medical field. Who gets the praise? The doctor. Right? person saved by last-minute kidney transplant. Oh, those doctors are just so amazing. They're just so smart. That doctor does not really... Here's a, the doctor doesn't really keep those hearts pumping. Well, from one person to another, God does that, right? They don't really make those organs usable in someone else. God does that. But we're so quick. We're, it's so easy for us to give credit to something we can see or something we can touch or something we can understand. And our world is great at that. Our world will not give credit to God. They'll give credit to whomever. They'd give credit to a cricket if they had to before they would give it to God. Jesus says, because... He didn't, he didn't say knuckleheads. He didn't say idiots. He didn't say, you guys are stupid. He just said, hey, that wasn't Moses. I'm sorry to pop your bubble. What? Moses didn't do that. That, that. that was God that did that. It was God that gave the manna. It, it not only was it God that gave the manna now, then, but it's God that now gives you the true bread from heaven. Because manna was, manna was just something to keep them alive physically. But what really matters is what's happening next and what's going to happen forever. And Jesus says the true bread from God, what, what's really true is the person whom God sends, which is who? <laughs> the guy that's talking. Now, let's think about this. They ask him for a miraculous sign. They say, hey, what are you going to do? What kind of miracle are you going to do to impress me? We came here for a show. Show us something. <laughs> And Jesus says, this is simplified. This is Brianified. I am the miracle. Stop looking for anything else. Because I'm the miracle. Stop worrying about something else that might happen in another day. The miracle is here. The miracle has arrived. The true bread is me. The real thing is here. You're looking at him. You can touch him. And the reason that's important to us is because we as Christians get things messed up. And we sometimes think that the gift is eternal life. You may have heard that before. People may have said that from the pulpit before. And I'm not disagreeing with them wholeheartedly. But the truth is, the people that end up in hell, they're going to be alive eternally also. They're not going to die either. They're just going to be in eternal torment. What Jesus says is, I am the gift. My father is the giver. The beauty of heaven is not 
That there will be no crying. That there will be no tears. That there will be no pain. That's not the beauty of heaven. The beauty of heaven is not that we're going to walk on gold. The beauty of heaven is not that we're going to swim in a crystal sea. The great part about heaven is not that the pearls are made, that the gates are made of pearl. That the walls are made of jasper. That's not the cool part of heaven. The real joy and the real gift of heaven is that we are going to be with God. We are going to stand face to face with the almighty creator. And he will look at us and he will say, you have questions, ask them. You want to touch me, touch me. Because the Bible tells me that I will then be, I will know even as I am known. The same way that God knows me, when I get to heaven, I will know God. The real bad part about hell is not that there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and fire and brimstone. That's not the bad part about hell. The bad part about hell is there is no God and there never will be God for those people. They will have no hope. It's never going to get better. It's never going to improve. Jesus says, I am the gift. My father is the giver. Eternal life in heaven is going to be fantastic. And I, to tell you the truth, I can't wait to get there. But the real beauty of heaven is that God and I are going to be together forever. And I'm going to sit down with Jesus. I'm going to pull up a chair at a coffee table. And I'm going to sit down with him. And we're going to chat. Me and Jesus. He's got some questions to answer. But that's the beauty of heaven. And so many times we as Christians get it messed up. And when we mess it up for us, we mess it up for other people. Because when we, start, when we try and convince people they should come to church, or we try and convince them they should give their life to Christ, we try and tell them about heaven and how cool it is and all that kind of stuff. The real joy is that you're going to have Jesus. Jesus says, I, I, I am the true bread. Isn't that cool? I mean, when you think about it. God says, someday you're going to see me face to face. But you can have me now. You can live with me now. You can enjoy me every day. That same communication that we're going to have there, face to face, we can have here. Isn't that cool? The true bread, Jesus says, the true bread is the one who comes to give life. Notice that life is not the gift. The gift is the one that comes. Because the one that comes, Jesus, who was Jesus? He was God in the flesh. The gift is that God came to live with us. Man, it's easy to miss, isn't it? And, the, and then the last part of this I want us to talk about. I, 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 I got to ask you this question. Do you want to be alive or do you want to just survive? Most of us would want to be alive, right? I, I really did eat breakfast. My wife cooked me a great breakfast this morning. I didn't really need to eat banana bread. It was part of, the, it was part of this whole thing. Because look at this, what Jesus says. 
and verse 34. After 34, they say, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Anyone, anyone who comes to me will never be hungry again. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus says, not only am I the gift, not only am I the miracle, but if you'll come to me, if, you, if you'll become part of me, if you'll, if you'll build your relationship with me, you're never going to be hungry again. You're never going to want for anything. There's no need that you'll have that won't be filled. There's no, there's no problem you'll face you won't have the answer for. There's no struggle you're, you will endure that you won't have strength to make it through. See, what I, what I think is that too many of us are living on crickets. And not enough of us are living on bread. I mean, imagine if this table had a bowl full of crickets. And this wonderful banana bread. And I chose the crickets. You would say... Go ahead. You're an idiot. Right? That's what you would say. It's okay. Because I would be. Right? I mean, if, you, if you're choosing between crickets, crickets and banana bread, and you choose crickets, you're just plain dumb. God help you. I'm going to pray for you. Let me come put a hand on you. I'm going to pray for you with my hand on you. But what we do in our Christian life is we live on bugs. We come to church and we, we're fed deeply by by the worship team leads our hearts to the throne and rex brings us a fantastic message and teaches us about scripture and teaches us about jesus and shows us how we can live a better life and we get full and at the end of the service we're all pumped up and we're ready and we're almost like a like a a sporting team that's ready to go beat somebody really really bad And, and rex comes up here and he says god bless you go be the church and we walk out of here and we see on the back wall go be the church like oh i'm gonna be the church and we get outside we turn our car on and we start listening to the radio and our radio really isn't Jesus. And we go home and we sit down and we turn on the TV and we watch a TV show and the TV show that we pick to watch really isn't Jesus. And we do that Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday we get a phone call. Hey, Your brother's in the hospital. And what do we do? We go to the hospital. And we say a quick prayer, right? Yeah? God, you got to help my brother. I love him. I love you. We're friends. Hopefully we'll be friends after this. Don't be offended. But we eat a cricket. Because... We take a little bite of Jesus. We say, I need a little Jesus to get through this. So let me just grab one of these off the table. And then we go and we kind of forget about it, right? Maybe we pray again later that day. And it gets better and it, it, then we're good, right? 
And we go back to our life. Oh, I got a big test coming up tomorrow. I better pray tonight. And on my way to church, on my way to school today, I'm going to turn my radio on K-Love because and tell Jesus how much I love him because I'm listening to K-Love and I'm praying. Goodness gracious, that should be worth extra. That would be like 20 extra points on the test. And we eat some crickets. And we grab a little Jesus. And we, we take a little bit here and there. And we, we, we ask for some and we give some and the little, little bites here. All the while, the bread is on the table saying, hey, eat me. You don't have to worry about this. If you would have been eating bread Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, you wouldn't have to eat crickets right now. You would know that we're going to be okay. You would know that I'm the bread of life and I'm going to take care of this. One way or the other, I'm going to take care of this. Because your faith has been built. But it's so easy for us to just take a little bit of Jesus when we can grab him. Jesus said in John 10, I came that they may have life and that life abundantly. God wants you, Jesus wants you to live an abundant life. He wants you to live an exciting life. He wants you to live a fulfilled life. He wants you to live a life that's, that's fantastic. And we would rather go to the table and grab a couple crickets instead of cutting off a nice slice of bread, toasting it, putting a little butter on it, and living in heaven versus crickets. I, I, I have to tell this story. <laughs> this Friday night, my daughter plays basketball and um <laughs> they were playing in a three-on-three tournament and they were one of three girls teams in a division of nine teams so there were three girls teams and there were six boys teams and i noticed something as we played the boys teams that when girls start beating boys something changes and not all of them, because we played one team that was fantastic. But a lot of boys, things change. And uh, they were not playing basketball anymore. I think, they, I think they changed the basketball rule book for the rugby rule book. And it was getting pretty ugly. And um, kind of a protective fella. And kind of outspoken. And um, I noticed that uh, I was having thoughts about doing things to junior high boys that. Sorry. You know, Jesus says if you hate somebody, it's like killing them. They, they, I don't know that they were making home that night. In my mind, and as I'm getting angrier and angrier, and I looked over to the side of the gym, and some people from our church were over there. And I've been I've been working on this sermon for a while, <laughs> so I walked over to them and I. You can ask them if, if they may tell you. I won't tell you their names, but I don't want to embarrass anybody. But I walked over there, and I, I said, I just had to come over here and get some Jesus. I, that, that's, what I, that's what I said to them. I just needed some Jesus. And so they gave me some. I walked back over. And you know what I told the people when I got back over there? My wife and the rest of the parents that were there with our girls. 
I said, I just had to go get some Jesus and try and bring it back because Jesus was not there. And you know what? It worked. At one point left, we won. We walked out and the, the girls' mic dropped on the boys, told them they had nothing. But while I was going through that, I thought, I, I, I thought about this part of my sermon. And my question for you is this. How many of you have a well to draw from when you feel Jesus leaving? When you feel Jesus slipping away, what do you do? When you find yourself in a situation where you know because you're a follower of Christ, you know that you need Jesus in that situation, but he's not around. How are you going to get him there? One of the things that Jesus uses often is reminding us of Scripture. If you've memorized scripture, God can bring that to your mind. What if you've not memorized scripture? He can't give that to you because you don't know it, right? What about songs? Song, a lot of people are deeply moved by different songs, but if all of the songs that come up in your head don't have Jesus in them, they're not going to help you find Jesus. Because <laughs> I had to flip through some of those songs. And I'm sorry if you think I'm a bad person. That's okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> but like I said before, I just keep it real. How much bread do you want? I mean, how hungry are you? Do you like just getting a meal on Sunday and then eating crickets through the week and coming back and getting another meal? Because what happens if you don't come to church that next week? How many, about, about three weeks ago, three, maybe four weeks ago, there was a story about a guy that had gotten lost in the woods for like seven or eight days. They found him seven or eight days later. Right? You guys, I don't know, did you see that story? Maybe you didn't, but it was on there. I'm not lying. What did they do with that guy? What did they do with that guy when they found him? They stuck a mic in his face, asked him some stupid questions. Oh, how did you survive? I ate whatever I could. And then they took him to the hospital, right? Yeah, they put him in a, they put him in an ambulance, took him to the hospital for observation. They didn't say anything was wrong with him. But it's funny to me that the football coach or the basketball coach didn't show up and say, hey, we got a game. Let's go play a game. Why not? Because you're not going to put that guy in an athletic in some sort of athletic event and try and make them perform, right? You're not, you're not going to put them on the front line of the army and say, hey, we, we just found this guy. Let's make him go to the front because he's probably our strongest fighter. Or you take him to the hospital because they're almost dead. He's been living on bugs for a week. And we're losing. We as, we as Christians in America, in, in the world, are losing the battle for souls. And I, it's, I, I think part of it is because we as Christians are eating too many crickets and not enough bread. I'm sorry, I love you, I'm glad to be part of this church, and I think this church has a lot of people that are really committed and really want to grow for Jesus and really want to do a difference, and that's one reason that I'm here. But there's also people in our area that need Jesus, and there's people even in our church that could step up their game and eat a little more bread and a, little, and a few less crickets and get real with Jesus and say, there's a battle we're in. And the reason I think that the church is losing it is because the church is so weak because we're only getting one meal a week. And we're trying to live on one meal a week. And when you're only living on one meal a week, you're only surviving. You're not really alive. 
You're not really usable for God's kingdom. Because you're famished and you're out of energy and you're weak. And we need you to be strong. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. If you come to me, you'll never be hungry. You'll always be full. You'll always be strong. Natalie Grant sings a song. I'm not going to sing it. Don't anybody get up and walk out. But Natalie Grant sings a song, and it's called More Than Anything. I want you to listen to the words of this. And I want you to see how... How truthful this could be for you. Could could you really say this to God? I know if you wanted to, you could wave your hand. Spare me this heartache and change your plan. And I know any second you could take my pain away. But even if you don't, I pray. Help me want the healer more than the healing. Help me want the savior more than the saving. Help me want the giver more than the giving. Oh, help me want you, Jesus, more than anything. You know more than anyone that my flesh is weak. And you know I'd give anything for a remedy. And I'll ask a thousand more times to set me free today. But even if you don't, I pray. Help me want the healer more than the healing. Help me want the savior more than the saving. Help me want the giver more than the giving. Help me want you, Jesus, more than anything. The worship team is going to come forward. We're going to sing another song here in a minute. I want you to think about this from that song. If Jesus heals me of an ailment that I have, and someone else has that ailment, what can I do to help them? I can tell them about my healing, can't I? I can say, hey, I had that same struggle and Jesus healed me. I can share that with them, which is fantastic, right? But what if I have the healer in my heart? What if Jesus and I are pretty tight? What's the difference? I can give them Jesus, can't I? Can Jesus heal them? Yes, he can. If someone's struggling financially, and I've been had that fixed, Jesus took care of that. I can tell them, Jesus helped me with that. But what if Jesus is so strong in my heart that I can sit down with them, and I can pray with them, and I can say with them, God, I know that you've got this. Right now, they don't know that. But I do. And I want you, Jesus, to get inside of them and help them. Because then I have the the giver to give. I'm not just talking about the giving.
Which do you want today? Do you like crickets? Or do you want some bread? Do you want to really live? Do you want to be alive? Or do you want to just get by and survive? The choice really is yours. Jesus is there for all of us. Whoever, Jesus says. Again, we've heard it before. Again, Jesus says, whoever is in me, never be hungry again. Isn't that a cool thought? Doesn't that make life easier to know Jesus never going to leave me? See, what I know is today there are people in here that are struggling with all kinds of things. There's marital relationship struggles. There's financial struggles. There's job struggles. There's school struggles. There's parent and child struggles. There's people struggling with all kinds of things. Jesus is the answer. Jesus has the fix, whatever it is. But he actually wants a relationship with you. Will you give it to him today? Let's pray and then we're going to sing. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit that makes it possible to learn, makes it possible to love, and makes it possible to change. God, those people that are struggling today, I pray you give them the answers through you. And God, I pray that they want you more than just the answer. I pray that they'll beg you to be part of them, not just fix it. We love you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray.